section three of the national geographic magazine volume eight november eighteen ninety seven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b the sushitna river alaska by w a dickey the sushitna though an almost unknown river is one of the largest in alaska carrying more water than copper river though the latter is somewhat longer it has a delta at its mouth beyond which extensive mud flats reach far out into cook inlet the river is divided into many channels and spread out over the mud flats rendering steamboat navigation difficult the tides at this point in cook inlet rise over thirty feet yet notwithstanding this great rise they have but little effect in checking the swift current of the river so little as to be unnoticeable a few miles up the stream the tide flats surrounding the mouth are bare at low water for a distance of nearly ten miles and are very dangerous to pass in the treacherous glacial mud a rowboat is liable to sink and to be held so firmly that the incoming tide which rises with incredible rapidity will fail to float it the mouth of the river is nearly opposite turnigan arm a branch of cook inlet which is a great breeder of storms it is therefore exposed to sudden squalls which may catch the unfortunate boatman where there is neither landing place nor shelter we had an especially unpleasant experience this spring spending a cold night in april on these flats unable to enter the river or to approach near to the mouth being prevented by great fields of anchor ice which extended more than a mile from any camping place on shore about fifteen miles up the river the first land above overflow is reached a tangle of willows and cottonwood giving place to the customary upland growth of the country which consists of scattered groves of spruce and birch an idea of the volume of water the river carries can be had from its size near the trading station which is some miles above the influence of tide just above the station the river for the first time hemmed into a single channel cuts through a rock dike which crosses its valley diagonally here the stream is twelve hundred yards in width and is very deep and swift soundings indicating a depth of over one hundred feet immediately above this rock dike the river forks and it is impossible to tell from the appearance of the two streams which carries the more water although the northern branch is generally called the main river and is the one which we ascended the kuskokwim indians come down the western branch to trade they say there is an easy passage from the kuskokwim into this branch of the sushitna which would indicate a low range of mountains as forming the watershed between these two valleys instead of the high unbroken range indicated on the government charts of previous years if this so-called alaskan range exists it must be much farther west than is indicated on the charts for i have been where i could see at least one hundred miles west of sushitna river and could see no indications of such a range in that direction a vast almost level country covered with forests of spruce and birch with here and there great swamps extended to the west as far as i could see with a rather poor pair of field glasses 
it is true that early in june 1897 i could see patches of snow to the west which would indicate the presence of mountains but they are not at all high as in the previous year the snow was all gone in july the indians report a large lake on this western branch and say that the stream forks six days journey from its mouth the other branch has a generally northern direction though very crooked only once in one hundred miles above the junction is the river confined to a single channel and there only where hemmed in by high bluffs on both sides many islands and channels great masses of driftwood and countless snags characterize this portion of the river while caving banks falling trees and the swift current make the journey both difficult and dangerous nowhere could we make any headway except by poling or towing crossing and recrossing the labyrinth of channels to escape dangerous places one-third of the boats that have ascended the sushitna any distance have been lost either by being swept under the drift and sunk or smashed by caving banks or falling trees luckily however only one life was lost during the last season that of a mr parsons of seattle the low mountains that lie between the midnuski Kanik, and the sushitna rivers were apparently about twelve to twenty miles back from the river and three small branches enter the sushitna from that side while ascending this portion of the river we had many glorious views of mount mckinley and an unnamed companion southwest of the higher peak mount mckinley is in this valley as ubiquitous as the washington monument in the city of washington everywhere you go in clear weather you can see its glorious summit dominating the northern landscape there is no question in my mind that it is a very high peak as we could see three distinct ranges of mountains between our point of observation and its camel hump summit which towered thousands of feet above all the other mountains two of the three ranges are covered with eternal snow and must be of considerable altitude though appearing low in comparison with lofty mckinley the last range in front of this great peak is very broken and irregular we could see cliffs that showed fronts of several thousand feet of perpendicular walls and on all sides were glaciers and snowfields i have talked with about thirty persons who have seen this great peak from the sushitna valley in the past two seasons and they all agree that it is the highest mountain they have ever seen one party who had been in the vicinity of the saint elias range thought it looked higher than any of the mountains of that group the indians of cook inlet have always called this the bolshaya great mountain it so manifestly dominates all the other mountains in that portion of alaska it appears to me higher than any of the peaks of the fairweather group near which we were becalmed on a clear day on our return voyage i had also a chance to compare its height and distance with that of mount iliamna one clear day when we were camped on an island at the mouth of the river field glasses brought out the detail on mount iliamna but made no change in the cloud-like appearance of mount mckinley iliamna is twelve thousand ninety six feet high and was according to the government chart one hundred miles distant from our point of observation notwithstanding its greater distance mount mckinley showed a greater angle of elevation above the horizon and is certainly a much higher mountain 
there are four high peaks in the cluster about mount mckinley all unnamed at present about ninety miles above the lower forks the river again branches into three large streams the western fork seems to occupy the main valley though i am of the opinion that the middle fork is the longer and at certain seasons of the year carries the most water in the hot days of june july and august the western branch fed by the great snow fields and glaciers of the ranges about mount mckinley is a roaring torrent a flowing sea of mud so much earthy matter does it carry in solution parties who have ascended this branch say that about sixty miles up it forks into two nearly equal streams the southwestern branch they followed a long distance and found it ran all the way in the low flat country skirting the foothills of the great range they ascended a hill and far to the west could see what they took to be the headwaters of the kuskokwim or some other stream flowing in the opposite direction with no marked divide between the two rivers the branch we followed was the middle fork which soon entered a narrow valley between low hills which gradually became higher and higher until we came to a canyon about sixty miles above the forks through which it was impossible to take our boats we had supposed from what we could gather from the indians that there was a waterfall in the canyon but such does not seem to be the case though for a distance of about a mile there are very rough rapids in which no boat could live the walls of the canyon are nearly one thousand feet high and in some places are perpendicular the water confined in a very narrow channel looks like a white ribbon at the base of the great walls we ascended the mountains on both sides and obtained splendid views of the great cluster of peaks about mount mckinley which bore a little north of west the copper river or midnuski indians who inhabit the upper waters of the river all agree that the main source of copper river is near the headwaters of this branch of the sushitna and not far from the tanana as the government charts place the main source of copper river north of the wrangell group of mountains i have carefully looked up lieutenant allen's report and find that his narrative would agree with the statement of the indians when lieutenant allen reached the mouth of the chitslechnia river he was in doubt as to which was the main river as the forks were apparently nearly equal in size he followed the branch now known as the main river not because it was the larger but because he was informed that nearby there were indians living on it from whom he could obtain food of which his party were in sore need he goes on to say that the stream diminished in size rapidly as he ascended it and soon became less than one hundred yards in width the main source is probably as indicated by the indians south of the tanana and near the sushitna lieutenant allen in his report falls into the error of confusing the sushitna with the midnuski or kanik river down which the midnuski indians from the copper river come each year to trade at the kanik station they ascend the taslina branch of copper river cross a low divide and come down the midnuski instead of the sushitna as lieutenant allen erroneously conjectured the tanana indians last winter came down the sushitna to trade they are a very warlike tribe and are accused by the midnuskis of being cannibals the interior of the country has but little game for many days we saw not a living animal 
except birds and but few fish though salmon run in august and candlefish in june we saw more bear than any other large game but did not kill any there are colors of fine gold everywhere but we found no coarse gold and the signs of gold diminished upstream end of section three